is this thing on? Welcome back to The Voice Podcast, the podcast for students by students. Today I'm here with some nursing students to go over some COVID concern topics and this topic is relating to partying during COVID. So how are you guys? Good. We're well, thank you. Good. School and classes doing okay, even though everything's online? It's definitely interesting navigating everything, but we're doing the best we can working together just to ensure that, you know, we are taking part in school and doing the best we can. Of course. It's an adjustment for everyone, but yeah, very weird. Very weird. Let me just sit at my desk for six hours of a day. It's fine. Like I can do that. (laughs) That'll kind of help me. Amazing. So, I mean, let's get talking. So, partying during COVID, that's a huge topic, especially in Kingston right now. So, you know, how, I mean, we all hear about different things, all from different news sources and stuff, but how would you say from your research and stuff that you found COVID is transmitted? Yeah, so kind of just starting off with, I guess, the background knowledge of COVID is always important to know you know, what it is, what does it cause, and how it's transmitted, because that's going to be related to the whole partying mm-hmm. aspect, you know, the um, risks that that can cause. So it is, there's a few different ways. The primarily people who are COVID positive produce these respiratory droplets, and um, those are expelled, you know, when you like sneeze or cough, even talking, breathing, singing, anything like that. So those are the most common. People are exposed to those and um, close contact between people is the number one way that it's transmitted. Um, And close contact can just be defined as really anything less than six feet from each other. So that's where that social distancing comes into play. Um, So yeah, respiratory droplets are the most, kind of the most dangerous and the the ones that transmit it the most. Um, And it's important to remember that people who are symptomatic and asymptomatic can both um, actually transmit COVID. And it's interesting because I know I've had conversations with people who didn't know that or just don't believe that. I had a conversation with an individual who um, believed that it could not be transmitted if you were asymptomatic. And personally, I think that's kind of one of the most dangerous parts of this disease. And it's challenging because there's this time period when people can have no symptoms and um, you know, anyone that they're seeing, they can, they can transmit that to them. So even though they don't know that they're sick, they can um, still give that to other people. And then another way it's actually can be transmitted um, through airborne. So that's when those same respiratory droplets are expelled, but they remain in the air. So this can be like after someone who has COVID after they leave the room, Um, or something like that. And most commonly it's in places with um, like insufficient ventilation. So if you're inside a building in a small room with people, things like that. Um, Yeah, so, and then there is actually a third way. It's more uncommon and it's not seen very much, but through contaminated surfaces. So those respiratory droplets, you know, if they land somewhere and then people are touching their face, touching their eyes, things like that. So that's kind of also where washing your hands um, comes into play as well. Yeah, that's pretty much how it's transmitted, just a synopsis. Yeah, and I mean, you talked about social distancing, which, man, that is like the most, that's in our vocabulary now. Like, oh, social distance. (laughs) Oh, 
make sure you're social distance, six feet apart. Like it's just come so in tuned with how we speak to one another and stuff. If you aren't necessarily the same social bubble, but like what is social distancing? Is it just the act of being away from people or what's that about? Yeah. And it's funny. We were actually, we just talked about this the other day, us three, we talked about how many times have I heard the word social distancing? I've never been more aware of how close I am to people before. <laughs> yeah. No, never. Exactly. Six, Six pumpkins, 20 Timbits, like so many different yes. things. <laughs> um, so yeah, social distancing. And some people hear it as physical distancing too. It's the same, it's the same kind of thing. But the, um, I was looking on the Center for Disease Control and Prevention and so they defined it as that staying a minimum of six feet away from other people who are not, you know, in your household or anything like that. So people you're not in um, contact with. And I think it's so important to educate people on why, you know, why, how is this even effective? If people don't know how it's effective, then they might, they're less likely to, you know, implement that into their everyday. So we were kind of, we were talking about social distancing the other day and, um, it's just that, like I said, because COVID is spread through co close contact, so you're really going to limit that transmission if you're staying six feet, at least six feet away from people. Um, so that's the obviously the primary reason for it, to decrease the transmission. And um, like I said before, even asymptomatic people can transmit it. So you need to be conscious of um, not just staying away from sick people who are coughing or are sneezing, but you need to stay away from everyone who's not um, in your household kind of thing or who you're close with. And then that's really what's important to decrease those transmission rates and exposure rates to um, people might not know they're exposed if they're within six feet of people and people that they don't know, for example. So it's really, and then also your, um, like your local recommendations many for us here in Kingston that's the KFLNA public health and you know they explain that really well there's tons of resources for people um, to you know see how they can help and how they can keep themselves safe and social distancing is really the primary um, factor that's going to decrease that transmission between people yeah and like <laughs> like so many different things that companies are doing now like the Timbit thing and they're trying to put a fun spin on it but yeah like I didn't I didn't necessarily know that it was just like with people in general I thought it was just like oh sometimes you hear just stay away from sick people and you'll be fine but like you said like asymptomatic people you don't know they could be completely fine not a cough not a tickle not anything like that and they could be carrying it which is really scary to kind of think about but yeah it is scary yeah, so with the, you know, everyone, we were in isolation for quite a bit, and now we just started opening things back up, and I think that's, like, that's huge on people, because obviously mental health and being stuck inside, and if you're a very extrovert person, maybe that just has more more effect on you compared to maybe someone who's more introvert, um, but do you think that, like, the reason why isolation happened so long, and now things are starting to open up, that's why people are kind of, like, leading themselves to partying, or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, definitely. So basically, like, being isolated for this amount of time is so difficult. Like, it's yeah. impossible to stay away from people for that long. Mm -hmm. And it's even more difficult when you're asked to isolate for months and months and months. So basically, like, because of having to stay away from our friends and family for so long, as soon as all of these 
kids or young adults decided to come to school, they are missing out on this. Like, especially if it's your first time going to university or college, you have this idea in your head about what that's going to be like, you know, like, oh, I'm going to be away from my family for the first time, stay in residence. Like, I'm going to go and make all these friends and do all this fun stuff. And then the government is basically like, no, you're not, you need to stay inside. And that is just, it has such a huge toll because you've worked that up in your mind for so many years about what that's going to be like. And obviously like, they don't want to miss out. You're spending so much money to be there and like, it's crazy. So I think most of these gatherings are basically like due to being lonely. Like you have to stay in your dorm room by yourself the entire time and be told that you can't go out and make all these new memories and all these new friends. And I think it also has a lot to do with peer pressure because if you have a brand new group of friends that are like, oh, we're fine, we're young, nothing's gonna happen to us, then you, you're just gonna go along with it, right? You're gonna be like, oh, well, if, they're, if they say it's fine, then it's probably fine. But then you also have like parents and teachers and stuff telling you what to do. But at this time, you, you know, you're 20 years old, you wanna be independent, the whole, having a teacher or a parent be like, oh, you need to stay inside. You can't, you can't go and hang out with your friends. Like what? what are they going to do to stop them really? Right. So I think they just don't realize the risk that they're putting themselves at. They're like, Oh, I'm, I'm invincible. And it was actually really interesting. I was doing some research about it and there's actually some evidence to suggest that it's basically the stage of development that their brain is in that just their brain is just not as developed as it should be. So anywhere from your brain doesn't actually stop like it's it's not fully developed until you're like Mm mid-20s and basically in this life stage between like when you're just going off to college and university um, the subcortical areas in your brain which are basically responsible for things like emotion and pleasure and hormone production they develop earlier than the prefrontal areas of your brain which are responsible for things like planning and execution of behavior and logic And basically, this can create an imbalance in the brain during adolescence and early 20s, which accounts for what we know as like the typical adolescent behaviors, which includes risk taking. So they literally just cannot fathom the fact that these might have long term consequences. So that was pretty interesting, too. It's not just that like, oh, I don't care about what's going to happen. It's like basically biologically, you just cannot seem to fathom what that's going to be like. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but I think it's, like, there's also that sense of, like, rebellion. Like, you're saying, like, mm-hmm. teachers and parents are saying, like, you shouldn't do that, you can't do that, but now they're here in Kingston or wherever they went to school, and now they don't have that parental figure, so, like, oh, it's time to rebel. Like, I can have my well, way that I want to do, and it's, like, well, when I maybe came, we should do it in a safe way. <laughs> I was an hour away from my family when I first came to, to college, so like what 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 were my parents going to do to stop me mm-hmm. from doing something that I wanted to do, you know? And they're so far away. You can just tell them, give them the best information that you can and hope for the best. <laughs> like Yeah, and definitely like with first years and stuff, like if you're in second year or whatever, like you kind of know the whole university college life, like you did it in first year. But for first years who like like you said, have been like dreaming of it, picturing of it, picturing what their like their dorm's gonna be, have all the Pinterest boards and everything ready, and then it just all gets like disrupted. And they're like, well, what do I do now? Like, do I, I well, I want to have this experience, so like I gotta do it because first year is the time to do that. And I think yeah, there's a lot of con- contradicting things like that. Yeah. 
Yeah. So like, I mean, talking about news and people coming to Kingston, um, <laughs> we've been in the news quite a bit recently with uh, different types of things like parties and stuff going on on university campus. Um, so yeah, any info on that kind of thing? Yeah, um, so we know a little bit historically, um, we've had some a little bit of issues with street parties, um, large crowds kind of in the Queen's Campus University District. Um, this isn't necessarily new news, but in light of the fact that we are in a pandemic, right, it does definitely bring in a different type of concern, um, not only for the public, um, for healthcare providers, for the students themselves, for parents, the community as a whole, right? Um, we even had Gorn Downey here shut down, right? And restrictions on homecoming, uh, fines now are being out, as well as potential academic consequences if students are found to participate in this, right? Um, and, and, it's, and it's difficult, right? Because actions do affect other people. And we know, based on what the CDC as well as Government Canada released, about when you think about who's at risk, right? So who do these, um, like how do the consequences affect these populations, right? So we know that things like older adults, right? Especially over the age of 60, are more at risk, people really of any age that have a chronic, ment uh, chronic medical condition, so something like lung disease, heart disease, diabetes, um, kidney, liver, you name it, right? Um, and that can affect anyone of any age group. So they're at risk. Um, people living with a BMI of higher than 40, um, to some degree those suffering with mental health or disability as well do have a risk, right? And when you look at kind of the population in which we have in Kingston, right, we, we do have a decent amount of our population is over the age of uh, retirement. So that's 14.1% of Kingston's population within itself, never mind if you want to look at the amount of people in Kingston or Ontario in general that have chronic health issues, right? So one out of five people in Ontario aged 12 and older have two or more chronic health conditions, oh, wow. according to the Canadian uh, Community Health Survey that was done in 2016. So that is a huge demographic of our population that's dealing with that and could be very much affected by the consequences of others. So clearly there's that large demographic risk here. And I mean, it, it's hard because kind of what Cassie already touched on, right, is when you're looking at that age demographic who are going to school, who could be potentially partaking in things like parties, we know that developmentally at that stage, they're trying to reach what we call like autonomy, right? So they want to be strong, like independent people. They want to create who they want to be. And that's really important to them, right? And that's kind of where we start to get a little bit of that rebelling because they're like, I'm going to be my person. I'm going to do this. You can't tell me what to do. And kind of a funny, like little light way of saying it. But yeah, mm -hmm. that's definitely a big deal. Um, and the fact that peer, uh, like peer support, pressure and perceptions are huge to them, just like you guys discussed before. The idea that if you're in a friend group and maybe you say no, 
you don't want to go out and party or hang out or you want to follow restrictions, then all of a sudden there's that fear of, oh my goodness, if I say no, then I'm not going to be invited. I'm not going to get to hang out with them. And then I'm going to be alone forever, have no friends. And, and that's huge and something we need to think about. And the idea that we know that they do rebel against anyone kind of getting into their autonomy. Um, we have to think about ways in which we can try to diminish the risks of these populations. When we talk to younger people, how we're saying how to do things, it's extremely important. I know uh, Molly and Cassie and I in school, we go through that all the time. We talk about how to do health education, how mm -hmm. to make learning plans, um, assess the person you're going to be talking to, and create a plan based on them, where they are at developmentally, et cetera, et cetera. And it's huge. And one of the suggestions, too, is we know that peer influence is huge. So how can we apply that, right? So maybe even doing something like getting more peers involved in advocating for doing these things could be really helpful because we don't really hear the voice of those people. But to go back, yeah, to your question is we, we do have a big demographic here in Kingston that are at risk. Um, and unfortunately, consequences of going out and doing things that are like partying or even just gathering in groups that are not necessarily safe or within guidelines can definitely impact that group of people. Yeah. And I mean, would you guys say that there's any consequences to this? Like obviously possibly getting COVID and things like that. But do you think there's like any other consequences that could possibly come up with if you do decide to go out and party? Well, with anything, so yes, COVID, right? Mm -hmm. Getting COVID is obviously a big deal. Yeah. Giving that to someone else, even though we know that, in, well, we don't necessarily know, but some of the research we've been getting on COVID is that you are less likely as a younger person in general, of course, if you have other conditions, increases your risk. But in general, so far, research has shown us that, right? So we know that group of students, adolescents, young adults, maybe like, oh, you know, like, I'm less likely to get it. But it's not always just about that one person, right? It's about what about your elderly neighbor? Or maybe you have parents who have chronic health conditions, immunocompromised, um, sibling, family member, friend, whatever, right? Because you can also impact them with your actions, that it is not just about the one person, right? Yeah. And going off consequences too, I know um, I found this interesting during during my research, but the KFLNA Public Health, so they have a ton, they have a bunch of regulations and um, like restrictions that we need to follow. So they have the um, social distancing when you're outside and then that gathering um, capacity of 10 people indoors and 25 outside. And I don't know, have you ever heard of complaint forms? No. Yeah, so I, I didn't either, but there's something through public health that if you um, kind of, I guess, witness or know that someone is disregarding these regulations, then you can submit a complaint form on their behalf, so to say. Um, that gives information and I, I'm almost certain that it's anonymous and you just send it to public health. So that's kind of another consequence that's possible that I didn't, I didn't know about. So I thought that was interesting. Um, so they're kind of yeah. taking that and kind of what um, Megan mentioned that they are doing fines now and mm -hmm. you know, um, threatening with expulsion from school, which um, hopefully 
student decision, you know. I thought in Kingston they were also eventually, even maybe even on Ontario, they're planning on implementing a quote unquote snitch line, basically. Oh, I so heard that. You, you can just call in and be like, hey, these people aren't social distancing, and then they can come out and find everybody that's there. So, wow. I mean, they're they're yeah, really trying to definitely steps in there. Right, yeah. To try and stop it. Consequences, yeah, exactly. To try to. And with all these students, like, students are known for being broke. So, I mean, yeah. they're probably not going to want to find. <laughs> no, they don't want to spend their money elsewhere that they don't have to. Um, but are there like any suggestions that you might have for students who instead of partying can do something or if you are going to party do it safely like do you guys have any suggestions on that yeah so basically like our suggestions for people that obviously you still want to be connected with people your friends and family and all that so basically like it's it's we recognize that it's extremely difficult to stay away from these people but we're hoping to educate so that you can be safe while hopefully avoiding more large gatherings and parties. There are, based on the regulations that we have right now in Kingston, they say indoor gatherings are 10 people and outdoor gatherings are 25 people, but you still want to stay with people that are within your bubble. So they call it your bubble. So basically it's people that you're going to be in contact with anyway, whether that be people that are in your groups at school or people that are in your household, people that you would already be with regardless of this COVID stuff. So you want to stay within that bubble to make sure that you're not spreading it to people that don't need to be with you. We also suggested to like utilize technology. The technology that we have right now is makes it far easier to stay connected than what we've ever had. So like utilize like social media and FaceTime and online games and internet resources to stay connected and in touch with people. Like you don't even have to be anywhere near them. It's so much easier to stay connected than it has ever been before. Mm -hmm. We also suggested like going outside. I know I take my dog to the dog park every single day because they finally open those up again. Yeah. And just like going outside, you're allowed to have 25 people outside socially distanced. It's a lot easier to stay socially distanced when you're outside. Uh, you can go biking and hiking and walking trails. And it's nice to just get out and not stay cramped up in your house. Like staying isolated doesn't mean that you have to stay inside your house every single day all the time. Unless you're quarantined, then please stay in your house. Yes, okay. please. Please do so. <laughs> um, I, we also suggested, like, don't forget to reach out to people, you know? Everyone is going through the exact same thing right now. And everyone, I feel, has that sense of isolation and loneliness. And I feel like a lot of people, they kind of decide to close in on themselves. And they're like, oh, if I'm not allowed to go out or be with my friends, then, like, I'm just, I'm just going to stay to myself. Mm-hmm. But like, you can still, you know, reach out to the, the loved ones and the friends and family and make sure to like give them a call or send your grandparents a message on Facebook or whatever, you know. And then we said, like, most importantly is to just remember that you're not alone in this. Like everybody is feeling that sense of loneliness and isolation. And we're all going through very similar circumstances at this time. So it's important to remember that your feelings are valid. And obviously we understand that this is very difficult for people, but if we don't implement these things now, it's just gonna drag on even longer. So if you can 
deal with this isolation and trying to reach out with, to family and friends in other ways than we're used to, then we will be able to go back to hopefully our new norm after all of this has settled. <laughs> yeah. And like, it's so weird to think if this was like 10 years ago, this happened, like, we wouldn't be able to have most likely classes online or unless like people who were, who had more money than others, they would probably be able to afford that. But it's so, it's so, and I mean, even now money and having internet and all that, that's still a huge thing, but like, we would just not have school because yeah. teachers oh, wouldn't would be able to, it'd be so everything. weird. Like, like we have the technology that we have right now, like we do all of our classes on, well, it's Microsoft teams, mm-hmm. but even yeah. like, I didn't even know that was a thing, <laughs> but apparently yeah, no. like Zoom and all these things. And it's so crazy with technology now that even things that we didn't know we needed, as soon as there was a need for it, someone just invented it. <laughs> They're like, Hey, I think I can do that. Like yeah. if this had happened 10 or 15 years ago, like we would have really had to shut everything down. Like it would have been absolutely insane. Like we would all be behind a year in school like most people wouldn't be able to go to work. I know my family, my mom works from home. Like there's, mm-hmm. you can't, you wouldn't be able to do it. So yeah, we're very lucky. So we weird. The technology era, we're all in it now and it's beneficial, but you know, sometimes just those little blips, like you can't hear us or whatnot, <laughs> things like that happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, that was amazing. Thank you guys for coming on and letting us know about how to party safely and all the information around that we really do appreciate it and I know the students will because COVID is such a huge topic nowadays you can't go anywhere without hearing about it um and for everyone watching to make sure to follow the voice podcast social media and to stay tuned for our next episode so thank you guys thank you for having us